0: In today's episode of the Iman Wire podcast. It's hard to love someone when you don't know and don't understand where that love is rooted or what it's anchored to. And to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to know him. And to know him is to know him through his characteristics and to bring those characteristics into our daily lives.
1: Assalamu alaykum and welcome to the Wire podcast. Salim here with uh, my co-host Erfan. Assalamu alaykum. Hey, Assalamu alaykum Salim. How's it going? Alhamdulillah. We're glad to have with us uh, Suzy Ismail. Uh, Suzy Ismail is the founder and head communication counselor at Cornerstone. She was born and raised in New Jersey. She's attended Rutgers University and obtained her bachelor's and master's degree in communication. She is the author of several books and speaks extensively around the United States and Canada on, uh, on multiple topics. She's uh, currently pursuing her doctorate in human services with a focus on marriage and family intervention. Uh, she lives in uh, Princeton, New Jersey with her husband and three children. I'd like to welcome uh, Susie Ismail to the podcast. As-salamu
0: as-salam wa
2: So that's Jersey your whole life?
0: All oh, my life, yes. Hey Complete wow. Jersey girl, yes. <laughs> wow, that's
2: awesome. It's my, like, you know, like... It's up there in my favorite states. It's really? No, I, uh, I mean, I, I feel was like, say I'm, I'm partial no, to Florida, California. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm like I'm, uh, this is the one opportunity <laughs> yeah. where I have to like make fun of. To, about Jersey in front of Jersey people, it's like
0: uh, it's not that bad. <laughs> there's, there's always the Turnpike. We can talk about that. Yes, yes, there is. I, they tell us we're the armpit of New York, but <laughs> I prefer not to think of Jersey in that way.
2: <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff people don't know about Jersey. Huge agricultural. Society.
0: Well, oh, know, Jersey. And
1: so, well, Jersey. I mean, uh, Alhamdulillah, has a really growing Muslim community from where when I grew up there. I mean, just yeah. martial law. I mean, where um, where Susie, where you're at. I mean, there's like a full time school, twelve to twelve grades, everything like that. So it's really Apropos, I guess, to what we want to talk about today, which is, um, you know, I think, Susie, what you've been doing is very interesting in what you've been writing and what you've been speaking about is taking a lot of your interest in counseling, especially with youth and, and family counseling, and merging that with a lot of Islamic spirituality. And so I wanted to, you know, um, talk to you about, we wanted to hear a little bit about your um, initiative of bringing divine into the daily, which is, uh, for our listeners, is available on uh, on, on YouTube and, and her Facebook page, where... Um, um, she uh, discusses names of the uh, of the divine, the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and reflects on them, but with a specific focus on family and and, and marital life. So, the first thing I'd like to ask, um, Sister Susie, is what is it that motivated you to embark on this initiative? What has the feedback been? And then it'd be interesting to hear also some of certain some reflections of some names, if if you can yeah, course, share with the yeah. audience.
0: Yeah. So. I think, you know, uh, one of the topics that I speak quite frequently about is marriage. And, you know, no marriage lecture, no marriage talk is complete without mentioning the marriage verse from Surat al-Rum, which speaks to us about integrating mawadda wa rahma into our daily lives, into our relationships, to establish a relationship that has sikina, that has that sense of tranquility in it. And as much as I would I would frequently mention that, that verse and the concepts of mawadda wa rahma, I think one part that may have been missing in connecting how you put that spirituality into action is understanding really what is mawadda and what is rahmah. And in kind of looking deeper into what those terms really mean and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would choose those terms to describe the marriage relationship, you know, I I began to understand from um, my teacher who kind of guides me in, in the path of understanding the deen better that... The name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Al-Wadud, when we look at the root word of it, it's the same root word that exists in Mawadda. And the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, rahman which we repeat so frequently when we say Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, is that same, the root of it, Rahma, is what's also used to describe the marriage relationship. And I began to recognize that. In order to really capture the emotions of mawadda wa rahma in our married, married, married lives between husband and wife or even between in families, between parent and child, we really need to understand what is mawadda wa rahma. And what better way to understand that than by looking at the root of it where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses those, the root of those words in describing his love for the ummah, for his creation, in describing his mercy towards the ummah, towards the creation. And so, you know, when we speak about loving one another in marriage for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I I believe that one of the most difficult aspects in attaining that type of love is that it's hard to love someone when you don't know and don't understand where that love is rooted or what it's anchored to. And to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to know him and to know him is to know him through his characteristics and to bring those characteristics into our daily lives.
1: By taking, that, by taking that, these names, are you focusing just on the like the Jamali attributes? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and forgive me because I haven't mm-hmm. heard all all the yes, ones that you've yes, done. So I don't yeah. know how many names you've gone through. Yes. But I know you've gone I through a Slim's lot. I think Steve's asking, have yeah. you done the Avenger? <laughs> the
0: Jalali, yeah. So, so <laughs> Alhamdulillah, you know, uh, I think we're up to episode 70 right now. Anshallah. And inshallah, the goal is to wow. complete them in Ramadan, biiznillah, um, if we're able to. Um, but we're looking at both the Jamali okay. names and the Jalali. Names because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a balance And understanding how to bring that balance into our lives So where we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala One of His divine names is ad We also see that one of His divine names is an nafi mm-hmm. And so we see the, this balance between that which may be difficult Or that we may perceive as a difficult inducing But a balance of Rahmah, of mercy, of compassion That gives us that that sense of, again, the Jamal and the Jalal hand in hand.
2: So like talking into about, you know, like obviously this is a, an opportunity to also discuss how in the Muslim community, when marriage invitations go out, that's it, surah room, that, that verse you just mentioned is always there. But yeah, maybe yet yeah, there's something missing maybe in people thinking more deeply about these attributes and how they're given, in some aspects, a human face to them when you talk about marriage and how the Prophet wa sallam, is uh, that Allah subhanahu wa also gives him his attributes of aruf Ar-Rahim. So these are some, you know, interesting f- connections that, that you're making. Have you felt that in your exploring of these names and divine attributes, uh, any works that were very like beneficial. We know that some of the greatest scholars have written about the divine names and attributes, but, and obviously as a plug, al Medina has published a book yes. on the names and attributes of Allah mm-hmm. by Ibn Ajiba, known as Allah and his attributes. Mm-hmm. I mean, have there been some of those types of influences in your podcast in terms of preparation and research?
0: There, there definitely is. There's definitely the core um, of of the learning that we seek in terms of of guidance, but there's also the learning that's done, you know, at the feet of scholars. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's an incorporation of understanding ending through the scholarly works and through the guidance of the scholars themselves but also bringing in the counselor perspective of you know what do you see on the ground what Mm -hmm. is happening and why is there such a disconnect sometimes where we can sit in a lecture or read a book or understand a translation of an ayah in the Quran and we nod our heads in agreement and understanding but it's so hard to implement and that's what this series was intended to do to kind of bridge that gap of how we can implement that which we've learned
2: and that's what I really liked about the series was that the idea of implementation I think it's something that that the scholars have tried to enforce as well, like I know in Ibn Ajiba, which is basically a recension of Imam Ghazali's work, uh, which deals right. with mm-hmm. it. And just really just says, okay, here's what the name means. It gives you the context, that theological understanding. Yes. But then it says, but this is what you do in your life now. So if you really mm-hmm. want to be Ar-Rahman, yes. for example, yes. well, this is how you're going to yes. do it. Mm-hmm. Um, have there been some names though that have been challenging? I mean, in terms of how you would like to approach them in terms of in terms of applying them in, in people's lives? Is there, have there been some challenges?
0: I think sometimes, you know, when we look at uh, certain of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we find it difficult to even understand or, or grasp sometimes that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator, is is so powerful in having that that ability to bring that which is good to us, but also in testing us in that mm-hmm. which is most difficult. And I think even when we look to those names and we understand you know, the, the uh, narration of the Prophet وسلم, when he said Amr al-Mu'min that the uh, state of the believer is strange in mm. that if something good befalls him he says Alhamdulillah and if something difficult or a test befalls him he also says Alhamdulillah. And I think understanding the names of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala both the Jalali and the Jamali in that way we begin to comprehend that that which we may think Is a a punishment or a harshness in our daily lives Even within our marriages Sometimes there is that hidden blessing Or that test within it That we are meant to grow from it And we understand the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that way We see that they're all truly beautiful even when we may interpret them in a way that seems harsh at times. So
2: since you brought up experience, I think it's interesting. I have a teacher who used to teach us that basically you can learn through books, which you've mentioned, you can learn through that that at the feet of scholarship, which you also mentioned, and then you can learn through life, and that life is the best teacher. Mm Have there been types of, uh, in terms of just the motivation to do the project, but also maybe a motivation to do certain names, some experiences that you would like to share that maybe uh, would be that motivator for those names?
0: I think so. You know, when I began, I was really eager to focus on, you know, Ar-Rahman rahim because it's something that we say so frequently and you know um and and understanding what does it mean Allah Al-Awwal wal Akhir you know the first and the last and you know the names that we're so used to reflecting upon or, or saying and not always reflecting upon but that we should be reflecting upon um but one of the names that I I haven't gotten to yet in terms of an episode but I will tell you it's one of the names that I'm very eager to get to is An-Nur
2: wow. and
0: it's it's such a beautiful name and I think like you know I've probably seen spent more time studying and, and understanding that name, even though I haven't gotten to it yet, because it's, it's again, one that we reference frequently when we're reading Surah An-Nur, when we read the verse of An-Nur, when we understand that Allah is Nur Ala Nur. you know, what does that name truly mean? Capture or encompass And I think you know part of my eagerness in, in getting to to the explanation of that name And sharing that hopefully with others Is when we look at that verse In Surah An-Nur Of the verse of An-Nur We see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Creates this parable And it's so beautiful Because there are so many other parables That also allow us to get closer to Allah That sometimes we don't recognize Or or are, are not necessarily always able to uh, assess it In a way that's truly reflective and so when we look at the parable of Allah's name or his description of himself as An-Nur, we see that the description we're given is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes his light as the oil that is so bright that uh, soaks the wick within a glass that is contained within a niche. And that the light of that oil without a flame being held to it can spread to both the east and the west. And subhanAllah, when we look at that parable and we truly understand it, when we think of ourselves as that glass that can reflect the light of Allah if we hold it within our hearts, then we begin to understand when Allah subhanAllah, His name is An-Nur. It's not just about the light of Allah, but it's about the light that we can also reflect in our interactions, in our connections with yeah, others, in amazing. our day-to-day yeah, lives.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the name that challenges me a lot these days is, I think is Al-Mu'min. And because, you know, what does Allah believe in? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's other translations of it and there's other meanings of a very nuanced Mm -hmm. word. But I think one of the most uh, compelling arguments that I heard from a teacher of mine was that he brought in the story of Sayyidina Adam Mm -hmm. and the conversation of the angels with Allah and Iblis and how throughout those conversations that Allah says, I know more than you know to the angels, that Mm -hmm. he's affirming his belief in us as human beings. Mm -hmm. And that I think that affirmation is important these days, especially when people of faith feel very tested by their very Mm -hmm. belief in God. And so I wanted to ask you a question about the verse of Quran that says, uh, you know, if you have God God consciousness, if you're Mm -hmm. one who has taqwa, then Allah will teach you. Have you felt through this experience that your ability to kind of See the names and attributes manifest in your daily life has kind of increased as you've gotten more attuned to that side of the spirituality?
0: Yeah, subhanAllah. I think that's, you know, truly the best blessing. You know, being a teacher by nature, you know, an educator, I think a lot of times you walk into a classroom thinking that you're going to impart some knowledge, but you leave always having gained knowledge from whatever interactions you've had or what uh, experiences you've had in those settings. And I felt the same way throughout the process of this, that although maybe I intended thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to bring in my experiences as a counselor and, you know, my work with youth and with families, I feel like, What the knowledge that I've gained has been a lot greater than the knowledge that I could possibly impart. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it to be a knowledge that can benefit others and not be something that um, remains with me, but something that is spread externally.
1: What are, um, if if you don't mind, I'm sure our our listeners would like to hear maybe one or two uh, maybe some of the of the ones that are most meaningful to you that you've done so far. I mean, obviously, it's very, very difficult to pick, but uh, maybe one or two uh, reflections that you Yeah, you've you did made. Noor, so there are some other We gave the audience like a little preview, <laughs> a preview. of Noor. Yeah, right? So so. Yes, yes,
0: yes. Um, well, you know, the names that I just recently com- completed in the last couple of episodes, um, we did uh, Al-Wahid, Al-Ahad, Al-Samad. And, you know, sometimes you see names that are grouped together right. um, in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala's description of of himself and, and his power right. And you know I thought it was interesting When we look at Al-Ahad ال, and Al-Wahid We often equate the two Where we think that they're Well they both mean one Kind of you know But there's that difference Or that differentiation In terms of how you can embody The meaning of each in there And so for example When we look at Al-Ahad uh, And we see Al-Ahad as It is the the only one Right And Al-Wahid is is the one but in in slightly different way of presenting it and so how do we apply that in our daily lives you know one of the things that we see in society today, and this will probably tie into the discussion we'll have about our youth as well, and what we're seeing is that we're growing up in a world that keeps pushing the individualistic side of things. You know, so we've got our iPhones, our iPods, our iPads, our iTunes, mm. um, and there's, there's, you know, they're not really hiding. Society's not really hiding anymore the fact that the I, I, I is consistently being thrown at us, and that sense of creating the individualism, we see it trickle into our marriage relationships and our families. As as well, where there has become such boundaries where, you know, whether it's a mother who says, I need my space, I need to have my own time, whether it's a, a child who says, I'm independent, I have my own way, we're seeing a lot of the I seep in, and it's it's almost like an embodying of a sense of oneness that doesn't belong to us, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ahad, al-wahid, that that oneness belongs to him and him alone, and he has created for us communities and the ummah and families and society because we're not meant to focus just on the one and so within marriages when we see a sense of division that is often rooted in a seeking of individualism it's a misplacement of seeking an attribute that belongs to Allah alone and that's often what we'll see in understanding the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that as human beings we may sometimes mistakenly try to embody for example the, the the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-hakam. And sometimes we'll begin to embody that sense of judgment towards one another. But that's not an attribute that belongs to us. And so understanding the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as characteristics that do not always belong to us as humans, but they belong to him and him alone. That's one way of looking at how we can incorporate that.
2: So this might bring up like the actual natural tension that could exist because, I mean, as a dad, I definitely need my alone time. Mm -hmm. So I think like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. difficult. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, you have to be there, you'd be present, you should be involved within the family life as a spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have a lot of times where most you know, especially on the East Coast, I imagine, it's uh, a lot of two-income homes, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a scenario where everyone is busy doing other things, and family life and those types of things is usually taken up by the daily chores of dinner, bath Mm -hmm. time, and this whatever's happening else. And so just, you know, trying to create that space, how do you think the names also offer that balance that you were talking about earlier.
0: Yeah. So I think like for example in in this individualism concept we're talking about, you know, recognizing that like we don't have to do things completely alone. So the next name after al-Ahad al- al-Wahid is As-Samad, al- which is the self-sufficient essentially. And so when we talk about self-sufficiency again, that's something that we've developed as a society definitely in the the East Coast and definitely in the U.S., um, (laughs) where we've created this sense of like, I have to do it alone. And we often see it, you know, in the super mom complex that we uh, see quite frequently. The tiger mom. Yes, (laughs) the tiger mom, where it's like, I have to be the best mother possible. I have to to have the best biryani or the best mashie that I've made. I have to um, have the best looking kids. They have to be getting straight A's. And so we put a lot of that pressure on us as individuals, rather than looking to the collective and saying, you know what? My sister lives next door. It's okay for my sister to step in and help me It's okay for me to call my mom and say You know what mom, I'm bringing the kids and coming for dinner or It's okay, okay for my husband it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next step. It's okay for my husband To be a partner, right. to be like the Rasul so, Who gave right. the best to his family
2: yeah, I think that's, you know, obviously, I think that's the the most amazing thing about what you're doing is you're bringing really like a um, high level theology in some sense that can get kind of, uh, you know, I think uh, over scholastic uh, into a very simplistic and practical method for people to actually apply it into their lives. And I think one of the issues I think that people will always have is that as they journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if they're serious seekers and they're judging their sincerity, is that you're worshiping something, yet... One of the beautiful understandings given to us by Ibn Abbas of that very famous verse about Allah created us to worship Him is that the mm-hmm. Arifun, that no, it's to know Him. Mm-hmm. And this, the basis of that is, you know, for example, in the month of Ramadan, that Allah didn't just say, fast because I told you to. He mm-hmm. said, I fast because I told all the people before you to do yes. it and I'm telling you to do it. For what purpose though? God consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a very natural understanding that Allah is always trying to teach us through different means in our relationships with people mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't separate our theology with our existence with humans. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any, uh, maybe we have time for
1: one more uh, reflection on, uh, or a group of reflections that you've had that have been very you know, meaningful for you.
0: I think, you know, uh, when we look at the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, Al-Bar, you know, which is, the one who is the source of all goodness yeah. you know um i i think to me subhanAllah, just like we, when we reflect on the name an-nur al barr really reminds us that even when we are in you know that that lowest point of iman where we know our hearts fluctuate consistently and you know we're reminded of the du'a ya muqallib al-qulub thabbit qalbi ala because we've got that consistent fluctuation but even when we're in the lowest of, of the low Going back to recognizing that Allah is Al-Barr, He is the source of all goodness, and He is the one to turn to even in the most difficult of our times. I, I think that's one of the most beautiful concepts for us to truly develop taqwa and to bring into our homes as well, and to bring into our families, to raise our children knowing. The, the divine attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to create a sense of fear when we talk of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the jalali traits, but to develop a sense of love and a fear of not pleasing Allah because your love is so anchored to recognizing the good and the divine wisdom in his hikmah. Hmm.
1: You know, just to shift gears uh, a little bit here, but you know, you're what you're doing. You're doing lots of counseling, uh, especially with um, with youth and, and with families. And, and you know, one of the things that you've been writing about, and, and you've written some pieces for us also on Emanwire, uh, in regarding. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, bullying of children, uh, the difficulties in our current environment, but also even talking about teenage suicide. Uh, there was this recent Netflix documentary, or it's not a documentary. Sorry, it's a Netflix <laughs> series. It's yes. a, called "The 13, um, 13 Reasons Why." Right, and mm-hmm. it's very controversial because it talks about um, the path that uh, uh, you know a teenager follows falls into um, into suicide, basically. And so, there's a lot of uh, I won't get into it, but. Uh, like you know a lot of the the, the, sto- the story and the difficulties in that but you've uh, you and uh, you've uh, posited some responses to that from an Islamic perspective because uh, of uh, called 13 reasons why not and the article is uh, there any on wire but um, I was I was wondering like how um, you've been able to translate some of the, this thing that we've been talking about with the divine names into your approach and your your advice that you' give, you've given to to um, that you that you give in for the, in terms of dealing with these teenage problems like cyberbullying, uh, you know, overuse of social media, loneliness, depression, and we could go on and on. And on, Unfortunately, but um, so as we shift gears into that to talk a little bit about that, what are some of the the lessons that you've taken from this um, bringing divine into the daily into applying it and and, and giving advice about um, these issues with teens? Yeah.
0: I think, you know, it's interesting. One of the names of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala is is the one who has created us in the perfect uh, of images. But we can also understand Sawar as related to pictures or, or what we take today frequently um, or our teens tend to be very obsessed with um, nice. the images that are captured by cell phones, you know, the images that are posted on Snapchat, the images that are posted on Facebook. I mean, not too many of the teens are using Facebook anymore, but, um, you know, this, this obsession almost with the image with this this right. what you look like and um, it's interesting to note that the documentary and it's actually coming up this week the season 2 of 13 Reasons Why is coming out and I think it's something that as parents um, as educators as community members we all need to be aware of what's out there and if we have a child that's in those tween preteen or teen years they are probably accessing this material even if they're not watching it their right. friends in school are talking about it um, they may be seeing clips here and there. They may be going online and and checking it out. So it's there. So it's not something that we can avoid. And I think one of the first episodes in the first season uh, started the the story of the young girls, I guess, traumatic uh, teenage years off with a picture that goes viral. And the picture, of course, begins to, as they say, a picture uh, is worth a thousand words. The picture begins to tell a story about her to her peers and to her classmates, a story that she didn't want to tell, mm-hmm. yet it's it's painted her in a certain light. And we begin to see that this image of who she is um, continues to grow throughout the series. And the, the child, the teenager, becomes obsessed with what everyone is saying and how people think of her and how they view her. And when we turn to our dean and we understand which, Allah. Uh, just,
1: if you, which is not unique to this i mean this is something that all, of, all of us are grappling with
0: yes yes and particularly in those formative years when a child is going through this when we look at the stages of tarbaya and we break it into three segments we see that you know age zero to seven the child still looks to the parents as the center of their universe and then in those uh, early teen years from age eight to fourteen the, that that shifts a little bit and the focus becomes instead, what are my friends doing? What are my friends thinking? How does the world view me? And then we move forward from, you know, 15 to 21 in the last stage of Tadbiyya, where what has been cemented in the first two stages really comes to fruition. And so we see that our youth, as they're growing up in a culture that is obsessed with the I, I, I that we talked about earlier and tying that with a a focus of constant uh, being surrounded by social media, you know, uh, you're in school, you're experiencing something, you go home, it doesn't end. It's still there. It's on your Snapchat. It's on your newsfeed. It's, you know, being texted to you. So there's no end to the constant surrounding of having the friend group or or those of your peers around you. And so when we look at the example that we kind of started with, um, this idea of being obsessed with an image, the image circulating, the uh, concept that the the label that's given to uh, the teen, this is something that that's very common, and we see it frequently. But realizing that it's not about what other people may see or may not see online, but that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is a sami al-basir, that He is the all-seeing, the all-hearing, um, and the all-knowing, al-alim we begin to see that in implementing in our youth, in our children, a sense of consciousness, you know, that we've mentioned God consciousness, Brother adfan mentioned that previously, that sense of taqwa of, I shouldn't be afraid of whose hands this picture might fall into. I should ask myself first, why am I taking this picture? Whose pleasure am I seeking? And Is, you know, al-basir, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who sees everything going to be pleased with this image, when we shift our children's focus to that rather than the focus of, you know, what's the cute kid in calculus class going to say about this picture, then we begin to bring our children back to a safer place where the fear is not a fear of peers and what they might say, but it begins to be that fear that is rooted in the love of Allah for the sake of not wanting to displease Allah
1: and one of the uh, i think one of the other things that i think you you pointed out as, as central was um is um the concept of haya and, and sort mm-hmm. of instilling that in our children now a lot of the things that you you are you're mentioning for example in 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 the piece uh, some of the things are, are things that i think on a lot of Muslims would just be like well i'm not going to talk about that like even the idea of like why do we need to talk about something that's talking about teenage suicide mm-hmm. the even idea of it you know in our community would just be like you know this is not an issue, et cetera, you know, put the blinders on. I mean, we're is, that, about, I mean is
2: that real though? I mean, I mean I mean Muslim teenagers do commit suicide. No, no, but I'm but I'm, but mm-hmm. I'm saying the natural tendency
1: yeah, for sure. for like if whether you're talking about teenage suicide, whether you're talking about drugs, where you're talking about non-traditional um, family arrangements and lifestyles which are, you know, becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, you know, the, the the natural tendency for a lot of parents and, and, and a lot of the Muslim community has just been like Just like, you know, try to Mm -hmm. shelter your kids from that, which is getting, which is impossible, especially now in the
2: days Mm -hmm. of... But also it could be also, I feel like sometimes you want to shelter, so there's that avoidance. And then when it happens in the community, it's the casting of guilt and aspersion on, on on the family. Oh, what did those parents do wrong? They must have done something. And then I think sometimes it could be a false understanding that just throwing more religion at it or more God, if you will, at it is somehow going to... Uh, fix some of those underlying right. issues and so, and so that's
1: my that's the question i'd like to ask you sister
2: Susie, mm-hmm. is that obviously I, i'm
1: sure you come across this in your counseling that this mentality where like okay well, we just like you just need to they just need to do this mm-hmm. like this uh, magic uh, pill of of religion or something uh, mm-hmm. the way they understand it so i mean how do you how do you navigate that and how do you get people to understand how to approach these issues yeah. in, a, in a like in a in a practical way
0: i think starting with that that concept of hayat that you began with um it's i think the breakdown in haya in in the sense of modesty and we're not just talking about modesty you know equated with put on a hijab and now you have hayat, but modesty of the tongue modesty of the eyes modesty in the in how we interact and how we act that's it's 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 something that's become very muddled in our society in our communities Decorum, today. Yes. the modesty befo-
1: yes. before our lord yeah. yes
0: the hayat with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so it's 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 become difficult because what we're seeing is a lot of young Muslim uh, teens are in front of their parents at Sunday school at Jumu'ah, um in the Masjid. They're acting in a certain way, yet they have a different set of standards when they're not in that that community in that that society. It creates
2: this like duplicity almost. It does. Or, it, it or, does. or we're actually basically telling them to. Not necessarily be hypocrites, but essentially having hypocritical behavior Mm. to appease both their parents, their culture, their religion on one level, and then their peers and their own pursuits, if you will. All and there.
0: I see it quite frequently You know When I, I speak at different MSAs And different universities You know I'll see like You know The brothers and the sisters Are completely separate You know They You know uh, you know If uh, Amina walks by Muhammad and says Assalamualaikum, alaikum He's like Astaghfirullah You know looking <laughs> down. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then you know Jennifer walks by And he's like Hey Jen what's up You yeah. know How was the English test And, you know, yeah, yeah. and so yeah. We're creating this sense um, of, of differentiation Within our youth's minds um, And again You know When I say We uh, Collectively I think as an ummah We're trying to figure this out. You know, we're trying to figure out how do we approach our children. There was a time where you know, we would shudder just to think about having the birds and the bees talk with our children. But now, as young as age five, right. we're seeing If you don't have it, then
2: you're... You yeah, know. we're
0: seeing curriculums introduced in school that are addressing I mean, yeah. um, you know, gender nonconformity, that are addressing you know, the idea of um, you can choose your gender, you can choose your sexuality. And if we don't have these conversations, right. then our children are going to turn to Netflix and shows like like 13 Reasons Why, to try to get the answers they're seeking rather than answers that are rooted um, in, in that love of Allah Subh'ana, and that pleasing of Allah.
2: So then on that level, is there a type of advice you would give mosques, leadership, parents on how to maybe more proactively or productive mm-hmm. conversations can take place about these types of issues? Mm-hmm. Because there just seems to be that a lot of folks, as you mentioned, are struggling with this, but if they don't address it, there's neglect. And the possibility that you're creating lifelong issues of dupe, 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 you know, people having double lives, essentially, right? So I know people that have a certain wardrobe they wear around their parents, and then when their parents aren't around, they don't. And these people aren't 25, they're not 18, they're 40 years old, they're whatever, you know, they're full-grown adults. And so it's just sad to see that people are not allowing themselves to, first of all, be more God-conscious on one level and have that be the anchor that guides them rather than pleasing any creation, parents or peers. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, not living a really authentic life that way. That's true. Uh, That's true. So yeah. I, is yeah. there some sort of guidance you would give to so parents? Or I think
0: the first kids? step is in recognizing, you know, uh, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu uh, once said that do not raise your children as you were raised because every generation has different problems than the generation that preceded it. Right. I think, you know, Sometimes we need to step away from thinking, oh, you know, this is how my parents did it or this is how how I saw things and first recognize that our generation is dealing with, you know, the internet, which is something that yeah. didn't exist, you know, as I'm a bit older than you guys, but it didn't exist when I was growing up, you know, um, the uh, social media, uh, the invasion of cell phones, the, so what our children are dealing with today is very different than what we grew up with. So the first step is being able to take a step back and understand that we're not going to reach our children through a lecture in the masjid, the yeah. way that we may think, you know, we're going to reach our children by creating an app that may pull them in and answer the questions instantaneously that they have. Um, One of the things we've done at Cornerstone, which is our uh, counseling organization, is we've partnered with the Crisis Text Hotline, which is a 24-hour text hotline where, you know, teens can reach out and say, here's what's going on in my life. I need help. I need it ASAP. And because we've become an instant gratification culture, you wait, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, even five minutes, you know, you may have lost a child in that moment. Um, So we have our Muslim counselors who now, if there is a child who um, specifies that there is a difficulty in terms of religion Faith of um, Islamically related, and that's their struggle, they are referred to our Muslim counselors. Um, and that's kind of uh, what we're looking for today that for parents who want to reach their children, don't go the quote unquote traditional route of I'm going to mm-hmm. take you to this convention and you're going to sit through every lecture and you're going to come out a changed person. Right. And you know, it's true, yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al Hadi. You know, you never know where al Hidawa comes from. It may come from a lecture, but also meet them at their level and speak the language that your children speak. So, you know, my seniors sometimes will make comments and they'll say something like uh, oh you know that that outfit is so ratchet and I was like oh thank you thinking they were complimenting me and it turns out you know ratchet is not a compliment at no, all you know? <laughs> or you know that's on fleek and I'm like oh my gosh I have to look that up so realize that again each, each generation is also going to have their own language and that language is not just in the way they you know what they're saying but how they're saying it and how the messages are receiving them so connect with your children know what apps they're on know you know who they're posting to and not Know it in a way where you're constantly um, overshadowing or, or right. constantly yeah, disciplining, because yeah. that'll just push them, you know, far enough so that they can do it a little more secretively next time. Right. But reach them at a level where they feel like you can truly understand them. Have talks with your children you know set aside we always recommend for parents to set aside a five minute time with each child where um, we do it in our own household as well where you just get a little egg timer and you go into each room and you know we've been doing it ever since our kids were very young and my oldest is now in college so you know and we still do it and you go into each room with an egg timer you set it for five minutes and during those five minutes that's your child's opportunity to say anything that's on their mind that's their opportunity to share with you
1: uh, on that note, uh, we'll have to close, but uh, uh, I'm sure our listeners would like to know like, how to follow your work. Um, is there any way uh, you're on social media? Obviously, you're on know, social <laughs> media. I know because you do the YouTube videos, mm-hmm. but is there a way to yeah. follow that they, they can access that and, and follow what you're doing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're interested in learning more about Cornerstone, you can visit our website at www.cornercounseling.com. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the 99 Names videos, it is on my YouTube channel, um, and that's just Suzy Ismail. Okay. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. On I haven't cracked the Snapchat code yet, so <laughs> I think I'm a bit too old for that, so I'm not there. <laughs> um, but you can definitely find me on my public well, page Well, you know, the Facebook. thing about Snapchat
1: yeah. is like, you know, it's yeah. so, uh, by the way, I, I want to mention the listeners Mm -hmm. like uh, these these videos are very short they're like they're Mm -hmm. nice packaged little capsules (laughs) like you know they're maybe five five minutes or so like one to two minutes usually yeah Yeah, okay even (laughs) shorter so um so it's definitely something that you can you can um, you can consume on a regular basis, or if you want to binge listen to it, <laughs> you can do that too. I'm sure to use the vernacular we're using today. But I want to thank you, Sister Susie, for for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today. Um, and uh, I really hope that and encourage all listeners to to seek out um, what you've been yeah, what you've been doing easy. with the the divine names because it it really is something very very important and something very beneficial that uh, I know personally I've benefited from it. And, uh, uh, I want to thank you for that. Thank you Farm, for joining us again oh, thanks, uh, thanks. for our listeners. Of course, uh, many thanks to you for joining us for another podcast episode. Remember to visit imanwar.com for the latest articles and podcast episodes. Uh, leave a review for us on iTunes. If you're listening on iTunes, share the podcast with, uh, with your, your friends and family. Uh, that always helps in getting the podcast out to a greater audience. We hope to see you again in the next podcast. Until then, Asalaamu Alaikum, peace be unto you.